Hey, I'm Ruben from Dub. Welcome to Connection Loop, our actionable podcast about building businesses with daily human connections. Connection Loop features long form interviews with fascinating people in sales, marketing, and beyond. Enjoy today's episode and learn more about Dub at dub.com. And we are live. Hey guys, this is Ruben from Dub's podcast, Connection Loop. And today I have on the line Courtney with me. And we're going to get into some topics here. Um, branding is has changed completely. Okay. And Courtney's going to talk to us about that. Also, there's this topic that I'm I'm really passionate about, which is giving away free stuff. <laughs> and I and I have this thesis that I want to kind of share with, with Courtney later, which is that marketing as we know it has completely changed um, with respect to providing value. So Courtney, kind of give me some of your punchiest sort of tips and tricks on how people can be better branders, better marketers, better storytellers. Yeah. So one of the the biggest parts is just thinking of where most of the noise is and figure out how to cut through that noise. So thinking of different platforms, a lot of platforms are very saturated with the same types of content, whether that's on LinkedIn, whether that's email, whether that's uh, newer social platforms. And what I call is thumb stoppable content. So things that's going to make people stop scrolling and actually start to engage with you. So there's a lot of different ways you can do this. One is just finding channels that are regularly used for something and picking something completely opposite to connect your um, audience with. So an example is utilizing video in email or in you know LinkedIn messages or just creating content that's very outside of the box for different platforms. Another super easy way to um, kind of reel back and, and, and cut through the noise is, is establishing a personal brand too. Because companies, company brands are great. They're very important. But that level of intimacy we have with company brands doesn't necessarily happen on the small company level. And typically, if you are connected really deeply or in, in a strong community with a company brand, it's typically through one person. So establishing yourself as your own personal brand, whether that's to highlight your company or your own work is just so vital right now to cut through the noise of all of the noisy B2B and B2C jargon going on. It's crazy. What you said is so true. But five years ago, it seems like it was it was all about the companies. It was all about what companies could do with their branding and with their, their advertisements and with their Super Bowl commercials. And, and now it's about what we can do. You know, how empowering is that? Like we've got YouTube, we've got all these amazing channels and, and now we're the storytellers, you know? I mean, anyone knows on LinkedIn that traction and visibility on a personal account is probably a hundred times more powerful than what's on a company account. And it's, and it's, and it's like almost, it's almost like capitalism in its purest form because LinkedIn and, and, uh, and the other companies to a certain extent, they're like, oh, if you're a company, we're not going to give you free play. You got to like pay for that. But if you're a, an individual, we're going to give you Robin Hood love just left and right, you know? <laughs> exactly. And, you know, this is the first time in history, every single person has the opportunity to share their story, to share their value, to share their insight. And that is powerful. Like we need to be leveraging that. Everybody can leverage that. Everybody can share their story. But the big barrier that people come across is imposter syndrome, thinking, who am I to be sharing my value? Who am I to be branding myself as an expert or putting myself out as an expert? But really the, you don't decide if you're an expert or not. The market decides. And if you work for a company, if you have a service that you're getting paid for, 
you're an expert. So you can break down that barrier pretty quick when you start to realize that. And and how and how do you how do you overcome that imposter syndrome? You know, <laughs> it's I, tell me. Hard. I mean, it's very hard, but once you start getting some positive feedback, it it starts to make sense. If you tell people you're an expert, people are paying for your services, you're an expert. You just have to reiterate that message and people are going to believe it. Perception is reality and you have to make that your own reality inside your own mind and not be insecure about putting stuff out. Other people are going to recognize that. And on the other side, other people are going to recognize if you're scared to put something out or if you're afraid to, to put out content or to create videos or whatever it may be. And it is a big roadblock a lot of people face. But once you start getting some of that um, positivity, and there will be negativity attached too, but once you start getting the positivity, you really have to weigh the pros and cons of, you know, yes, I could put myself out there. What's the worst that could happen? Some kid that you haven't talked to in 10 years from your high school is like, oh, who does he think he is? Who does she think he is? Like, that's absolutely the worst that could happen. The best that could happen is you establish a personal brand that skyrockets. You get more sales, you get more eyes on your content, you give value, and that's a pretty easy decision. Okay, so you you mentioned this 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 topic, which is which is really interesting because actually I've never heard on this podcast, I've done I think almost 50 or actually almost 60 now. I've never heard someone talk about the value of giving the, the value of giving something away for free in order to actually drive real revenue and monetize it. I completely agree with you. What are better ways that we can give stuff away for free? Yeah, I to, to monetize our business and to drive revenue. I give away all of my best insights and tips and tricks and content for free. Um, doing that is going to get people attracted to your brand and want, want you to provide that value just in a custom way to them. So oftentimes when you're you know giving out your value, you're giving out tips and tricks on whatever industry it may be, you'll have people come to you saying, yeah, this is great, this helped us so much, but can you create a more customized solution for us? Or yes, we love this strategy. We love what you're putting out. Seems really hard to implement. We need you to come in and do that. And that is a really natural transition. The more good you put out, the more value you put out, you're essentially planting seeds for further down the road for you to have the top of mind awareness when those consumers, their buying decision is in your market. They're going to know you. They're going to already have trust in you. So you're going to be the first choice for whatever professional service it may be or whatever product it may be. I totally agree. I mean, I here's kind of how I think about the the sort of segmentation of customers and like giving stuff away for free. You know, I have this theory that the people that want to pay are going to pay and the people that don't want to pay are, are never going to pay, right? And that it's actually best if we just give all of our stuff away for free. And when I say stuff, I don't mean like like stuff that costs us money. I mean like our content, our education, you know, our videos. We should just give all of it away for free because there's going to be some segment of that population. I don't know, 1%, 2%, 5% if we're lucky. And those people are going to be like, I, I'm, a, I'm a buyer, I'm a client. I, I'm going to buy into this. I want to be part of this tribe. And they're going to they're going to drop some coin, whether it's a small amount or a large amount, it's really on them. Um, but by putting all of our stuff out there, it just, it get, it's like our marketing, it gets our traction. And if we just had that confidence, it almost takes like confidence to give it all out. But because a lot of us, I think through fear and self-defense and, and wanting to protect ourselves, we're like, no, 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 we must gate that content. We must only give it to people that are actually willing to pay. 
But maybe at the end of the day, we're actually losing out a lot of dollars by doing that. You're losing out a lot of impressions top of funnel too, because if you're gating all of your content, first of all, psychologically, that's going to start to lose trust to where if you're giving something away for free, you already have that trust. Again, going back to planting the seeds, but you're going to get a lot more eyes on your content if you just put it out there for free. And it's, it can be hard for a lot of leaders to justify the cost since when you're running ads, you can see the ROI immediately. And a lot of things are easier to track. This is more long-term. This is harder to track. This goes beyond your current job or current role. This goes throughout your whole career. So I get it. It's difficult to make that jump. But when you stay consistent with it, you're going to start to see results really after a few weeks if you're doing it right. And I, consistency is key. And I always kind of try to figure this out and always ask people what they think about this. But what is the what is the ROI? How long does it actually take to say, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna become a creator, I'm gonna start putting content out there, I'm gonna brand myself, give away stuff for free, and then hope, cross my fingers that I'm gonna get the ROI, the monetization that I'm looking for. What is that? Because I mean, the thing about the thing about ads is that I mean, if you're doing your ads right, you sh you should see some ROI like sooner than later. But we all know that creating content, you know, YouTube content, whatever it is, it just takes a lot longer. But what is what is the time frame for you? It's a or great how do we calculate that. My personal time frame was about a month before I started getting actual sales, only about a week before I started getting interest because I utilized LinkedIn for my personal brand where I already had an established audience of previous connections and me starting to put out free content kind of woke up all of these connections or these lost leads over the past few years or these, you know, people I had met once or twice. And immediately they were saying, oh, like Courtney knows her shit. Like she's an expert. Let's reach out to her. And then sales probably came a, a month later. Um, a few months in, I didn't have to prospect anymore. And now I'm about a year into putting out content daily on LinkedIn, I'm expanding to other platforms. And I I'm so booked, I have to turn people down or refer people to other um, agencies or other professionals because I have so many leads, I can't even take them all on. So it's a good problem. What's the biggest driver for you? Would you say that it's LinkedIn? LinkedIn is absolutely the biggest driver for me. Um, there's 600 million users on LinkedIn and only 2% post content regularly, meaning once a week. So you can just put out content one time a week on LinkedIn, you're already going to rank in the top 2%. There's more content consumers and content creators. So you can be a content creator on LinkedIn. It is easy. Oh my gosh. that That's a crazy number. 2%. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. That that just seems, it just seems too easy. It's, it's super easy. And you know, that's posting one time a week. Now, if you step it up, post three, four times a week, you're probably going to rank in the top half of a percent. Now, if you know how to game the algorithm, you're going to be easy, even, you know, top 0.01% super easily because, you know, individuals aren't utilizing LinkedIn like they could be. And the more that people utilize it, the bigger that number is going to get. So it's important to get on these platforms right now where there's more content consumers than creators like TikTok is another one, because in a year and two years and five years, they're going to be just like Instagram where or Facebook where it's a climb to start from scratch. Yeah, well said. Now you said something really interesting. What is what does it mean to game the LinkedIn algorithm? 
<laughs> yeah. So understanding the LinkedIn algorithm, there's you know a few basic aspects. One, LinkedIn does not like when you send people off the platform. So don't put links and you don't embed links in your posts. Just add them in the comments. Two, make sure it's formatted, really easy to read. And text-based posts actually work best over video, over photo. Now, I love doing videos because they are a great brand builder, but adding in text-based posts into your content um, is going to help maximize that. You know, using hashtags, um, making it a little more niche, like your posts, calling out a specific audience or giving five tactical ways to do X, Y, Z or sharing your top five tools for something. Those are all really good ways to maximize the algorithm. And you can add 50 to 100 people to your network per day. So that's 50 to 100 more eyes on your content every single day. So the more you're adding people, the more you're engaging people, the more views are going to get on your content and the more that your audience and your brand on LinkedIn is going to grow. So this, this idea of having like a closed funnel, I feel like it's really antiquated. You know, it's, it's not really relevant anymore. I mean, now we're engaging with leads. We're, you know, driving conversations, having, you know, interesting interactions with people. And I feel like now is the time where we can make that public, you know, where if, if people actually connect with us, why not connect with them on LinkedIn? You know, if someone fills out a form on our website or if someone connects with us on Twitter, why don't we just take that action of every single day, like watering our plants <laughs> and just to your point, making those, I didn't, I didn't know that you could do 50 to hundred connections per day. And that just means you can go find someone and connect with them. Yep, exactly. It's super easy. Um, you don't even need to add a message because adding a message actually only increases your response rates by about 2%. So it's not really worth it. You can always add a message later or engage with them, but super easy. It takes five minutes to do. And again, those are all prospects. Those are all potential buyers. But yeah, I mean, in, in the sales cycle, I, I think it's getting a lot more meshed and kind of messy, not in a bad way, but it's not as simple as C click buy for anything, right? Not okay in any industry. So how you can incorporate LinkedIn as an additional touch point or really any social platforms as additional touch points in your sales cycle really depends on your industry and what your sales cycle looks like right now. But you're right in the fact that if you can just add somebody on LinkedIn so they get more visibility there after they filled out a form on your website or followed you on Twitter, kind of cutting through the noise again, the more different angles and different platforms that you can hit them with, and the more ways of communicating with them on those platforms, the more visibility you're going to get. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. You know, one of the things that we're working on at Dub is this idea of like it's not it's not gated content because you know gated content is probably not the best thing. I mean, at least if you don't have some amount of value before you gate content. But what we're trying to do is have this idea of you watch a video on the dub platform and then you have to fill out like there's an opportunity to fill out a form in order to watch the next 30 seconds of it or something. That way it's it's almost like the best of, of all worlds. Here's a five minute video. You can watch the first you know X minutes of it and then you have to fill out a form to like carry on. And then the creator of that, they get to have that sort of lead generation. And I'd love to get your your take on this kind of hybrid approach because this obviously doesn't you know this doesn't exist on social platforms, it has to exist on something a little bit more sophisticated. Um, but what is your take on that sort of hybrid approach to like gating content, but also giving away some in the beginning? Yeah, that's really interesting. I definitely think that there's going to be more creative ways on social or on platforms like this in the future that they're going to like ask or or like for information or for 
money, whatever else. And as long as your uh, value to ask ratio is 90-10, so I always, always, always recommend 90% value to 10% ask. That, 10, that sounds like the 10% ask, and that sounds completely reasonable. Also, on platforms where you're getting free content like YouTube, where there's ads, if if there's a social media platform where ads are not existing, you're you're the ad, like you're the money that they're making by selling your data. So you have to understand on every platform you're either getting served ads or they're selling your data. So something like this seems a lot safer. It fits into that 90-10 ratio and seems very valuable because you're targeting that uh, customer, that consumer, that watch, you know, watch your reader directly where they're already interested in your content. So it seems pretty organic for both the user and for the creator. 90, 10, that, that's a really good tangible way to look at this. You know, it's, it's really easy for us to get into the mindset of I'm going to post content out there because I believe that that's going to drive revenue for my business. And uh, I, I mean, I go through that cycle a lot. I, I sort of flip flop on this all the time because I'm like, okay, well, we got a video communication platform. I'm into a lot of different things. Should I create my content on what works in video and video marketing and video for sales? Or should I go make videos on like Bruce Lee and, you know, random stuff, right? And I always kind of flip flop this. And my, my question for you is, you know, how do we, how do we transcend from the content and the topics around specifically what we're selling into more general and broad topics. Like you, you have, I'm just on your LinkedIn profile and you, you have a, a yoga company, you know, you have yoga mats and they look awesome by the way. I'm, I'm really into yoga, yoga and I, I've got a yoga mat right behind me. And uh, you know, that's really compelling. And I'm just thinking to myself, like if you were to create content on like, social media, consultancy, or yoga, like, would you just focus on those topics? Or would you say, you know what, I'm going to actually branch out and I'm going to do topics that are outside of what I'm selling. Mm -hmm. So my common theme in all of my content, whether it's my yoga mats, whether it's my cons consulting business is myself. So yes, I have these themes that are outside of it. I'm planning a post for tomorrow about things that college grads need to know. And, you know, I've talked about workplace culture. I've talked about so many different topics that just aren't directly related to either of the businesses I run, but they all filter through me and my experience and sharing my story. So if you can pull an aspect from your life, whether it's a story, whether it's something that inspires you. Um, I mean, I've worked with, with teams where maybe somebody was in healthcare tech and they were really passionate about sports too. So they talked about both of those things, but the common ground was themselves. So if you can stay true to you and to yourself, that's that's the common theme. And people are going to get to know you, get to understand you. They're going to appreciate all of these different sides of you. And none of us live in silos. None of us only have one passion or one area of expertise. So as long as you can stay authentic, it's really natural to bridge the gap and to um, cover all aspects of who you are and what you're passionate about. Got it. That's really interesting. So that, that's almost liberating to say it's about my perspective. I, I actually I actually go to that a lot where it's sort of, I think, you know, to kind of circle back to what we were initially talking about, which is imposter syndrome, the idea of just simply giving my perspective on things is actually something that's really helped me in my life as, as a creator and as someone that puts stuff out there, because I never feel like I'm just trying to come off as an expert. Like I know everything about this and therefore you have to listen to me. This is just my perspective. T take it or leave it. I'm, I'm a student just like you are. And I have this experience and you have that experience, but 
I think having that idea of perspective, I think has, has really done well for me. Um, I do believe at the same time though, it's, it's hard for a lot of people to kind of branch out of, of their core competency, stuff that they're not selling or stuff that they're not an expert on, you know, that takes guts. And how do we build up the confidence to actually kind of go branch out into, into other realms? I mean, it's kind of like, it's kind of like going to, you know, I think of this analogy of being at a party and like meeting someone randomly and just having a conversation about something that's completely not about what you do, like quantum physics. Like I, I can talk about quantum physics for about eight minutes, you know, and then all of a sudden it just starts to like drop and I just have to be a listener, you know? So, um, so how can we get that, you know, but that conversation is not recorded. So how can we get to that like comfort level, um, mm -hmm. you know, of being outside of our comfort zones? It starts with an understanding of realizing that every single person has their own unique lens that they view the world because every single person on the earth has their own unique experiences. So we can learn from each other, whether just like you said, you know, this is my opinion, this is my perspective, doesn't necessarily mean it's right or wrong. I'm just giving a different angle. And that's from the life that you've lived and from your professional life, from your work. So we can recognize that everybody has different perspectives. Nobody's ever going to agree 100% with us and nobody's ever going to disagree 100% with us. But we have value, whether that's giving, giving advice, giving tips and tricks and things that you've learned, or whether that's trying to provoke a conversation, ask a question, try to see a different angle of something. So it's not necessarily about being an expert in all this, you, I'll, I mean, I'll talk about quantum physics. I don't know. I don't know anything about it, but I think I could find something where I can start a discussion or I have a question or even just putting out, hey, I want to learn more about this. This is really cool. That's going to start that discussion. Again, it just comes back to you being authentic to who you are and your experience and recognizing that everybody has different experiences and where the value is in social media and digital media and communication is we all can share those and we all can learn from each other. Nice. That's really interesting. Yeah. Should we talk about quantum physics? <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to go there. Um, okay. That's, that's really cool. Now here's kind of a, a, a pivot in the, in the combo that I want to kind of chat with you about. What is your origin story? Like what actually made Courtney Courtney in this, in this whole play? What is it that you went through and kind of realize that this is your calling and this is what you want to be doing in your life? I love that. Um, I have an interesting story. So when I was growing up, probably like middle school, this was when, you know, you could make websites on free webs and we had aim chat and all of that. And I was just enamored with it. I loved it. I loved the internet. I thought it was the coolest thing ever. And I would make like little websites for my class where we had a forum and you could post dog pictures and there was a, you know, a chat bot, stuff like that. I just thought it was so cool to connect people over the internet. So when I got into high school and into college, I was never a really a good student. I was an average student. I didn't really care about grades because I cared about doing things that were tangible. So when it came to you know working on the side or um, projects that I was working on, that's what I was passionate about. So when I got to college, I decided to major in strategic communications and minor in psychology. Since I, again, I just love the world of how we communicate, especially online and the, the reasons why we do that. However, when I was in college, there was no social media major. There wasn't any social media classes. When I was graduating college. Wait, is there a social media major now? There is, yeah. No. Yeah, social, digital media, digital communications. But 
You can major in that. Yeah. No, that's an interesting. Wow. You can. So when I was graduating, I got lucky because companies were just starting to take social media seriously and they couldn't hire someone with 10 years of social media experience because nobody had it. They had to hire kids out of college because we were the only ones that had been playing around with social media all through right. college. So that brought me into some uh, marketing agencies where I started up the social media departments at really young ages. Um, I was like in my early 20s, uh, moved on to do consulting and go a little bit bigger. And then I, the whole time I was there, I was thinking, you know, I want to offer these services to my clients. I feel like I can do a better job on my own and charge less and the clients will be happier and I'll be in control of who I take on. Um, at, at the same time, I was creating my yoga mat company. Basically, I couldn't find a yoga mat I liked. Um, always heard the business advice of if you see a gap in the market and you're trying to find a product that doesn't exist, that's for you to fill. So that's why I started that. And during COVID, everything was changing. A lot of my friends were losing jobs, changing jobs, like whatever. And I felt a lot of comfort in the chaos. So I decided to make the leap, quit my job and pursue my soul mat and pursue my um, social and digital consulting. And here we are today. Amazing. That's that's so cool. And then um, talk to me about the the gap that you found in the marketplace for your yoga mat, because I've, I've tried a lot of yoga mats. I've tried the Lululemon ones. I've tried the the $10 ones that you can get at like Ross or whatever, and like a bunch of ones in between. But what is, um, what's your take on this? Yeah, so this stemmed from a project I was working on at a previous marketing agency where we were doing this big yoga event. We had a drone photographer and he flew over this uh, beautiful bridge with hundreds and hundreds of yogis and I saw all the mats laid out. I absolutely love yoga, but I could never find one I liked. And this was that trigger moment where I thought, oh my God, out of 500 yoga mats in this picture, there's not one that I feel like reflects my personality. There's not one that I feel like is fun, is like a fashion accessory, is less intimidating. Because I started yoga for fitness and the mindfulness and learning about meditation and spirituality, that all came after. If you would have made me start yoga because of that, I would have never done it. It was too intimidating. So yeah. I wanted something that filled that problem of being fun, not intimidating, being bright and something that's very colorful and cheery. When you walk into a yoga class, it creates community because people are looking at it and saying, who is the crazy girl with the avocados or hot pink watermelons on her mat? Like, let's talk to her. So that's why I started it. It's been in business for about six months now and it's it's really taken off. So I designed them all myself. I do all the marketing and it's been just a huge learning experience and just I'm so thankful for for all the community we've built and for all of the the positivity we've seen from it. That's that's amazing. I mean, my my question for you is this company is I mean, it's perfect to kind of tap into the idea I think of of influencer marketing. I mean, yoga has become obviously so popular. And so many people, so many cool people do it. So many influential people do it. You know, how can how can you as as an entrepreneur, as a small business owner, how can you tap into you know, an ecosystem. And, you know, let's just assume that, uh, you know, we're, we're looking to do this with a, a, obviously a very modest, modest budget, but how can you tap into the influencer movement and find people that love your vibe, love your product, you know, want to use it, want to take photos with it, want to share it with their, with their audiences. Like, how do you tap into that? I mean, it just seems so, it just seems like the most difficult thing. People always think that to get into the influencer space, you just have a, have to have a lot of coin and you might get ripped off. 
Yeah, that's not true at all. You can do it with a very small budget. So first of all, you have to be your own influencer. You, What helped me so much at the beginning is I shared with my network, going behind the scenes of my struggles, talking about how you know, it was hard to find materials and how the back end of the website was difficult. And I had to have my friends help me with coding and like the struggles that I went through to create this. I shared that I went behind the scenes and I went deep on all of this. And that made my audience feel like they were part of this. As far as other people being influencers, a lot of people reached out initially because they um, they had seen that they had seen how much work and effort I had put into it. But the easiest way to start with influencers is starting with micro influencers. So find whatever platform your audience is on for this company. It's Instagram. Find micro influencers with 2000 to 10,000 followers and give them a product in exchange for um, a post or promotion Um, in that space. Typically, a lot of them will um, exchange uh, just a post or a free product and you don't have to actually front any cash. You can also do a commission base to where you know, I give you a free code, everybody that buys from that code, you'll get $5 per code use. That's another really low cost way to start this. Um, And then uh, when you start getting into how much money to to pay influencers, that's when you can get a little bit more, you know, a negotiation of how much for commission versus how much for posting. But it's not intimidating, intimidating at all, I promise. Just start to message people on whatever platform it may be, slide in their DMs, they're going to be excited. They're going to want to post for you. So it's it's simple to get started. And then do you recommend any kind of like third-party platforms to sort of manage that? Because that's pretty intimidating to DM someone. I mean, intimidating is not the right word, but uh, it's, it's uncertain because to DM, you know, one person or 10 people and then to expect a response back, to have the trust factor there, to figure out how you're going to pay them. Like wh- how, how do we improve that process? There's a lot of platforms that are working on improving that process, both on the um, marketer side and on the influencer side. On the influencer side, Mo Assist is really great. But on the um, marketer side, it's a little bit harder. There's a lot of, you know, uh, changes in platforms. There's a lot of changes with uh, FCC regulations that are constantly changing. So it is hard to nail down something. You really have to project manage yourself and project manage what you're doing for for your um, for your influencers. But you know, a lot of times the influencers will manage that part. Like just again, when you're using Mo, the influencers can manage the payment. Um, and this is influencers' entire business model is doing this is using their platform to promote other products. So they're usually the one that's in charge of of project managing and of payments and of all of that. Wow. So this, this is the site right here. This is, this is how they make all that cash for those Lambos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this, this is just, this is just fueling Lamborghinis and Maseratis and, and homes in Bali. This is it. I've, I've just, I've never known how the money would, was like trans. I was like, was it PayPal or Venmo or Zelle or whatever? <laughs> well, also for, you know, it's, it's so powerful to use influencers because you can find somebody with, you know, that gets a hundred thousand impressions per photo um, or per post, pay them maybe a few hundred thousand dollars, but that hundred thousand impressions, if you were going to use ad spend to run that, that could be really, really expensive. So you have to measure the ROI of either running ads versus influencers, what the conversion rates are for both. 
again, influencers are using themselves as ads. They know their conversion rates. They have case studies. They know the business impact that they're going to provide you. Like It's full blown business now. So you, you do have to measure which one of those is going to be most effective for your products. But the good thing about influencers is you have the psychological aspect of it, which is trust and, and social proof. So if a human is posting about your brand, that's social proof to your audience to where if you're running an ad, there's less social proof there um, than people that follow this influencer, trust them and know everything that they post and know that they love them and they can trust their recommendations. Okay, so fashion is is the is the obvious way I think to to jump into influencer marketing. That makes total sense, right? Um, <laughs> but what about like a B two B video platform? I just hypothetically, just yeah. yeah. How would how would how would Dub use influencer marketing? We don't do any of that. I mean, we we do stuff like this, but that's it. Um, LinkedIn has not really started to take off on influencer marketing, but I have seen it. And if you can get in and be the first people to be doing influencer marketing on LinkedIn, oh man, you're going to be ahead of the game. Same model as, um, Instagram, but since it doesn't really exist on, on LinkedIn, I would start off with a paid subscription to whatever SaaS service it may be for six months. And in turn, they are going to post about you, you know, at once every month and they're going to you know, keep it up to the influencers to talk about. So you want it to be honest and authentic, but they're going to post about their experiences in exchange for whatever your service may be. So with yours, it's super easy. It's visual, it's video, like that's easy to put out. With something that's a little more technical, it could be harder. But again, if you can start leverage, so essentially you're making it up as you go. This market doesn't exist on LinkedIn. So it's up to us to create it. So if you can be that person and take the first step, like you are going to be, you're going to go far. Okay. So, but what does that mean? Like, how do we use LinkedIn for influencer marketing? Just, just, you know, networking and DMing people and. Yep. <laughs> okay. So then let, let's get a little tactical here. So let's say that uh, I determined that you were an influencer, which I think you are. And I wanted you to help us to, you know, evangelize dub like how, how would I do that? Like, what would the process be? Let's just pretend like I, I've never spoken to you before. I've determined that you're a good fit. Like, what would I do? So first I would establish some brand trust. So maybe you like a few of my posts, you comment, you message me, how's it going? You invite me on your podcast. Step two, reach out. Say, check. Yes. Check, check, check. Step two. Hey, Courtney would love for you to use dub for free for six months. I, I want to walk you through all of it. I want to set it up for you. I want to do this and this and this. Um, that has a average cost of how, how much does it cost to use Dub for six So, months? I mean, our retail price would be $40 per month per user. So that would be like a couple hundred bucks. All right. So let's say $1,000. So that, that would cost you typically $1,000. So we see that your posts get uh, 50,000 views each. Um, and you can like, in the negotiation or whatever you could ask this, or you could say, you know, your posts get a hundred likes each. So I can estimate that's like 50,000 posts, 50,000 views. You know, it's going to be expensive for us to run ads. Wait, say that metric again. So a um, hundred likes, maybe like 50,000 views. It's not uh, correlated exactly. I'm just. That, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. So you could say, all right, again, this costs a thousand dollars, you know, to run an ad to get uh, to run an ad for a thousand dollars, we would get 500,000 views. Um, and you can either tell the influencer that, or like just work out the math on your own. But anyways, Hey Courtney, this is the value of a thousand dollars. We want to exchange you this 
for three posts over the next six months. Like, can you do that? Can we talk through what that looks like? Easy as that. I either say, yeah, that's interesting or no. And then we start talking and we start figuring out what that looks like. And you can do that at scale. You can find 10 influencers to work with over the next six months. They're going to evangelize your product. I already evangelize products on LinkedIn, but it's a lot of products that I already use. And it kind of worked backwards to where I already use these products. I talked about them all the time. People are like, hey, Courtney, what analytics tool should I use? What scheduling tool should I use? I probably mentioned like a few SaaS companies names a million times. They came to me after. Thank you so much for promoting us over the last six months. We got, you know, 20 different new users because you posted about us. I'm going to give this to you free for the next year. Hmm. So that's what happened to me. You can work that backwards though. Interesting. And then is there any like software to manage that? Or it's, it seems very manual. I mean, there's, there's, I mean, talk about gaps in the marketplace and I know some stuff exists out there. I haven't done my research, but you know, Mo or what was it called? Was it called Mo? Yeah. Uh, Mo assist. Yeah. So that's the one, I guess, for the influencer side to manage your business, but what's the, what are the ones to use so that we can, we can, we can either find influencers or once we find them, we can sort of manage the payment process or should we just assume that anyone that's kind of into this space is going to already have something in play like a mo assist mm -hmm. that's a good question again this market is so new i i've tried a lot on the marketing side of tools that do this i don't like any of them I, it's easier for me to manually um manage this however this it, the influencer industry is so new that it's hard to have there's not even strict regulations around it so there's not even any platforms that streamline this a to z there are some really interesting platforms that are starting sort of like a cryptocurrency model where they can understand um how many like how many views you're getting how many sales you're getting it's all streamlined and automatically pay you on an upfront of per result um which i think that's still like in the works but that's what i'm predicting the future of this to look like and be a little more streamlined but for now we're in the infancy stages of it that's that is so cool. That is so interesting. You know, um, it's I remember that a lot of stuff was coming out recently. There was this famous blog post that came out, which was like the, there was probably a bunch of them, but I don't know who the first person that wrote it was. But it was like the death of influencer marketing just because there was so much fake engagement and just kind of bogus, you know, and, and this whole market was going to crash. And, you know, I think now more than ever, you know, I think people really need it, you know, especially because it's it's hard to advertise right now. You know, most people are killing their advertising budgets right now. I mean, it's fear. I, I don't agree with it. I think it's the best time to to market and to advertise. I mean, fortunes are made in, in recessions. Yeah. You know, any uh any you know billionaire will tell you that. Well, I'll tell you who your best influencers are and your best advertisers. That's your company, that's your employees, that's your executives. Yes. Those are the first people that you need to go to, to be promoting your product, not necessarily promoting your product, but promoting the business impact of your product and educating your audience, giving value around this. Everyone in your company can be a content creator, like everybody. You should empower them to do that. Empower everybody to, you know, just as they're saying, like if you have a salesperson, they're already giving the same talk track. They're already answering the same questions on sales calls all day, or if they're in social or marketing or PR, already writing the same things they know your company in and out empower them to share that information and give that value to the world that's going to elevate your company more than anything else amazing really really valuable 
content here. You know, this is this is really key. So we'd love to know how we can support you. You know, you've got some some super cool things going on. So, you know, please keep in touch and let us know how we can support. You know, I'd love to kind of um, get some more information from you on how we can start to do a lot of the stuff that you were mentioning. And, um, you know, really, really psyched to have had this conversation with you. Of course. Yeah. If y'all want to follow me on LinkedIn, it's Courtney Johnson. Easy to cool. remember. Um, my yoga mat website is mysoulmat.com. S-O-L mat. And okay. then if you need any help on social media, digital media, feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn. I even have a scheduler app to um, have a meeting with me on my bio. So maybe booked out a little bit, but you can still schedule time to chat probably for June. So yeah, it was great talking to you. I'm, I'm really excited for um, all the feedback and for people to get a lot of good insight from this discussion. Nice. Very cool. Well, thank you so much. So good to have uh, chatted with you. Definitely. See you, Courtney. Bye. Be well, my friend.